Hello, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Reitz. I'm so excited that you are joining us today. At Speak With People, we believe that healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and our leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one to a team from a stage or from behind a screen, we hope that our time today encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to breathe life into your world with your communication. Well, hey, before we hop into this great uh, podcast interview and this great conversation, I want to make sure you knew about Speak With People's coaching packages. If you've been looking at investing in your communication skills for some time and you're just wondering where to start, we have two packages for you to consider. The first is our stage presentation skills. It is a four-week Uh, buffer for you to be able to dive into immediately improving some of your onstage skills, more confidence, more clarity in a more captivating way. The second one is our Pathway Public Speaking Coaching. This is a nine-week coaching package that takes you into a deep dive into becoming a healthier leader and a healthier communicator so you will be a more confident, uh, clear, and captivated communicator. Make sure you check out speakwithpeople.com slash coaching and let me know if you have any questions. Well, today I'm so excited for this podcast. It's something that is near and dear to my heart, my thought process when it comes to speaking. I have talked with many speakers over the years, have read many articles that either go one side or the other. And so we're gonna have a great, good old-fashioned conversation with an amazing guest who is an uh, incredible communicator, both uh, from the stage and from writing. And we're going to talk about something that has been a kind of a long-standing debate. Do I use my notes or my iPad when I speak, or do I let go of them and speak without them? Which one is best? Does it matter? So we want to uh, have this really fun conversation. We're going to go back and forth to the pros and the cons and the do's and the don'ts and all the possibilities that uh, our audience can experience if we go one way or another. Well, like I said, uh, my guest today is just a fantastic leader. He's a pastor. He's a writer. He's been featured in Relevant Magazine, Version, Crosswalk, Daily Bread, Moody, many others. I'm so excited to have him on the podcast. Welcome, Scott Savage. Thanks for having me, Jason. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you are with us. Well, hey, before we hop in, and uh, could you just give us, uh, give our listeners, our audience, maybe a little bit more into your story, who you are, what you do, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I've always loved communicating. Uh, When I was five years old in kindergarten, the police officers came to our school for a little meet the cop day. And I ended up on the local NBC affiliate. Uh, I apparently had asked the best question of the day, which was if seatbelts are so important, why doesn't my school bus have one? (laughs) That apparently stumped the teacher and the cop. And that got me my first uh, TV hit at five years old. (laughs) Fair question. It kind of just went from there. I I gave my first speech uh, when I was in middle school. I think I memorized the Gettysburg Address. (laughs) <laughs> Later, I think I memorized Henry V's speech from Agincourt from Shakespeare's play. Wow. And then from there, I just continued to find my way uh, onto stages. When I was in high school, I had a professor, teacher who pulled me aside in my history class and said, Scott, you're a writer. You write the best essays at any of my tests. You know, you have a way with words. And so it just kept going from there. And uh, I gave my first sermon at 20. And now as I approach 40, we're well beyond 600 public talks and uh, well beyond 600 articles. I just love, I love words. I love writing. I love speaking. It's been my life for as long as I can remember. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. And you're out in Arizona. So uh, as a baseball fan, are you near any major league spring training facilities or is that is that kind of a far away from you? Uh, yeah, I'm about an hour and 45 minutes north of the Phoenix area and spring training's fantastic. Um, so I'm probably, I'm probably about an hour 30 from my closest spring training venue, but I had a friend for a long time who ran spring training for the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> so it was, it was weird. I went to a game this March. I think it was out at surprise at the Ranger stadium. And it was just so weird to pay for a ticket because for so long <laughs> I could just call him up and say, Hey, can I come over? And he's like, sure. So I was, I've run, I actually worked for him one year. I ran in the sausage race. If you've ever seen a Brewers game oh, yeah. in the sixth <laughs> inning. So I have, I have run as multiple characters in that race. I, I almost won it once, but I didn't win. I was second place, but I love, I love that time of year. I love baseball. So <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. We're here in Tampa and we've got uh, quite a few, not too far away, the Yankees and the blue Jays and the Phillies and pirates. So it's, it's uh, pretty fantastic, but I've never been out to Arizona yet. And so I want to get out there because uh, it'd be great to see that side of uh, a spring training ball. So absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So, uh, like I talked about in the beginning, like we want to have kind of a conversation today, especially uh, it's kind of a long standing. I've seen so many articles about it. I think I saw one recently from Kerry Newhoff, you know, others talking about, oh my goodness, do I speak for my notes? Do I not? I, I have always been a, you know, speak for my notes kind of guy. And so have wanted to make the leap. So maybe today, you know, we'll be able to do that. But what what's your journey? What's your journey? Like, how did you go kind of from, hey, I've got these notes, this manuscript, my iPad to, you know, now you're not, what was, you know, kind of what inspired this, this, uh, transformation, this journey. Yeah. I would say I was, I was always a manuscript guy. So I always wrote everything out for me. It was really important to get the words right. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to say it the way that I wrote it. And, and so I spent a lot of time practicing and rehearsing and, and I had an iPad before that it was paper notes. I just was, I wanted to get my words right. Mm. But about five or six years ago, I had uh, become friends with a speaking coach. Her name is Sally Zimney. And Sally reached out to me and said, hey, I'm going to be starting some coaching. Sound a little bit like you talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Mm -hmm. She said, would you like to be a client? I said, I would love to work with you, Sally. You, you've been a great friend and I love what I've learned from your podcast. And so when she sent me back my first set of feedback in the coaching, she said, Scott, you're so tied to your iPad mm. that I think you're not connecting with your audience. She said, I see you looking at your iPad more than you're looking at your audience. And you're not delivering your message to your iPad, you're delivering it to your audience. And so she really challenged me. She said, I think your people will find you to be more believable. I think you'll connect more. I think you'll be more compelling if you can get out from behind your table and behind your iPad. And I was terrified. Uh, I was terrified of that, but I'm like, I'm paying for this coaching. So I might as well do what my coach is saying, right? Cause if I'm not going to listen to my coach, I should just fire him and move on. Right. <laughs> so I, so I, I took the plunge. I, uh, I just picked it up. Uh, I picked a Sunday, a few Sundays in advance and started working towards it. Uh, I I'm a big slide guy. So I was really influenced by Guy Kawasaki's approach in the oh, early yeah. 2010s. Seth Godin's approach. So I have lots of images and, and I do have some points, but lots of images, lots of quotes. And so I said, I think I can just rely on my cue screen. So if I have a clicker and I can see the slide and what's mm -hmm. coming next, I think I can move beyond my notes. 
And so I got one Sunday and I said, that's the Sunday I'm going to do it. And I got out there and I was, I hadn't been that nervous in years. You know, I've been public speaking <laughs> at that point for right probably 10, 12 years and I had mm -hmm. stopped being nervous, but man, I was, I was struggling that day, but I got up there and I did it. And, and I, 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 I think I didn't even believe in myself that I could do it. And then about three weeks later, I totally froze in the middle of uh, a talk. I had no idea where I was. <laughs> and so I just did that thing where you repeat yourself. Right. And I walked over and I walked over to my little table on the side that had my iPad and I opened it up and put my little Apple password in and I scrolled down and I said, oh, that's my point. And I just kept going and nobody, <laughs> nobody cared. Right. Nobody cared that I had gotten lost. Nobody yep. cared that I had forgotten where I was. And that week when that happened, one of my one of my staff members came up to me and he said, I don't know what you've done because I didn't tell people that I was going notes free. I just right. started doing it. Right. I don't know what you've done, he said, but that was the best message I've heard you give in three years. Wow. wow. And he said, you're just, you're just so much more, you're so much more engaging. Mm -hmm. That was just so stronger. He, he was having a hard time putting language to it. And, but I was like, I know it is. I don't have notes anymore. <laughs> and so it's been that way since. So I've probably been notes free for four or five years and it has made a world of a difference mm. for me. I love it. Okay, let's back up for a second because uh, you opened up a couple of a uh, couple of really good rabbit holes here. So I love what you talked about with Guy Kawasaki and Seth Godin and the slides. Why do you think? I mean, not to pick on some churches and pastors, but why do you think it, that's not the norm? You know, uh, we, we kind of slap up the scripture. That's kind of the norm. Mm -hmm. But why don't we engage more of the senses? We have all these screens. We have all this opportunity to inspire. Mm -hmm. What do you think holds people back from, is it, is well, it a lack of creativity? I mean, what is it? I mean, I could go really down this rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> I think that one of the things is that in especially large churches, they get over-reliant on iMac. Oh, yeah. So they always, they always want to have the person's face on the screen. And luckily, I'm in a venue now. I was at a church once that had that. Yep. But I don't need to be on the screen where I am. And so the screen is mine to do what I want with it. I'm not having to fight with going back and forth you know, between a slide and a live yep. shot and a slide and a live shot. So I think that's one of the reasons is that they just get overly reliant on that live shot in the room with iMac. Two, I think that many times the speaker is the kind of person that they don't need the images. Mm. They, they, they're more left-brained. They're, they're not as creative. Yep. And so they, we, we tend to speak to the kind of people that we are. Mm. And I am, I am very, I am very right-brained. I am very image based. I think in terms of pictures. And so for me, like I'm doing what I would want if I was sitting in the seats. Mm. I, I wouldn't want 35 minutes with no points, with no structure, with no images, with no illustrations. I wouldn't want a 35 minute information right. fire hose. Right. I, I would want you to engage all of my senses if I was sitting in the seats. And so since I'm not sitting in the seats, I'm the one who gets to pick what we're talking about. Like I'm, I'm going to yep. give what I would want. Yep. And then and then I think third, and this is where I will pick on pastors because I've been one for long enough. Pastors <laughs> are notorious for being last minute with their sermons. Mm. And when you when you choose to be last minute, you push your team in a bind that they can't support you with creativity yes. and and imagery. And so years ago I realized that I was that guy and I was mm. putting our graphics guy and our video guy in a bind every week. Yep. And so I said, okay, when, when would be ideal for you to have my stuff? 
And so my graphics guy said, Wednesday morning, if I could build your slides Wednesday morning, then I would have time for me to do it, for you to review it, and for me to make changes. Yep. I said to my video guy, when would you, if I, if I needed a video from you, when would you need to know? And he told me, I said, okay, I'm just gonna build an artificial deadline. Yep. So now, so now I write my sermons, they have to be done by Tuesday night because my graphics guy holds Wednesday morning for me. Um, and then if I have a video, I let my team know on Monday that yep. we need help with that. And then that way I finish Thursday um, with my run through, which we may get to in a second. And when I leave the office on Thursday, I don't touch message again until Sunday. Mm. So, oh, I so I, I think that a lot of times it's, it's things that are self-induced that they're not, they're, they're things we're in control. If, if we wanted to change, we could be, to be clearer and more compelling. Yep. Oh, I love that. I, uh, this summer I posted maybe like a mini rant on Facebook and a, a local pastor commented and he goes, you know, at what point is God's word enough? Like, why do we need all of these other things? And I'm like, well, maybe because the God of the universe, like is the most prolific creator, <laughs> and, you know, was used the best image. I mean, he used all the tools available. <laughs> yeah. It, why, why didn't, why didn't Jesus just say, don't be, don't be arrogant. Right. He, he didn't do that. He told a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector going to the temple to pray. And one was arrogant and one was humble. And then he said, you know, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He didn't, he didn't just go right to the point. He told a story, you know? And so yep. I just, I think, I think we sometimes forget how the Bible communicates when we're communicating the Bible. Yep. And we forget that so much of it is imagery, it's stories, yep. um, it's metaphor, and we should be, we should be exhausting all of our resources to communicate it well. It's so good. You know, you watch the, the Apple you know, when they released the new, you know, the iPhone and all, and just the way that they use the screens, I'm like, I sit through so many, and now I'm a year removed, right? Cause I was, you know, a vocational pastor for a long time like you. And so now I'm a year removed and I sit there and I'm like, you, you have all of this available. Like we use all of these lights. We use all of this technology for worship, but then the Bible we put up in a tiny little iMac. I'm like, bring it alive. Like mm -hmm. I love and you hit on something that I talk with pastors all the time about, like, why do you wait till Thursday, Friday? I know some pastors who are writing their sermon on Saturday. I'm like, and then you're expecting your people to get super creative with slides on Saturday night. I, I, I love that revelation that you got to in your career. <laughs> well, I mean, you, I know, I know, cause I've listened to speak people for a while and there's people who are listening, who are speakers who are given the yep. same talk every time. Yep. And people like me that are given 40 brand new ones every year. Mm. So I think it's harder for, for my world for every week. You have to write a new talk. Yes. And then you have to figure out all the creativity. If you're just a speaker who's giving the same talk or maybe the same three talks, you have abundant opportunities yes. to hone that, to master that, to get all those resources in place, to maximize it. Because you're fighting with so much distractibility, short attention spans, Yep. In this world that you have to give people a reason not only to start listening to you, but keep listening to you. Mm. And that's where I think all those all those pieces become so important. That's so good. I hired a, a pastor coach probably four years ago, five years ago. And his first thing was like, let's break down your your weekly, you know, schedule. And he's like, let's get the grill off your back, you know, right away. And so kind of move some things around. And then just like you, beginning of the week, it was like, okay, I left. And that way then. My small groups team could go to work on the questions, communications team, you know, everybody had what they needed. And it just, you know, because every single week, like, like, you know, very well, uh, somebody's going to be hospitalized. There's going to be a death in the church. There's going to be an emergency. 
you know, and that way, if you're working towards getting, getting the most important thing, you know, I can breathe now, Mm -hmm. you know, when those things, things are still going to happen, but yeah, I love, I love that switch. Okay. So I, I got us off there because it was just so fascinating, but back, back to the notes, what prevented you from making that switch for so long? Was there any challenges that you just couldn't, were you just like, ah, I just, I got to rely on this. I mean, I, I, I think I, I was so concerned with saying it precisely correct. Mm. Uh, I was so concerned with forgetting something that I thought was important. And I was so concerned with getting done on time. So I yeah. had been in a previous church where time was super important. Um, you needed to nail your time. And so I would practice it to know, okay, this really is 34 minutes or this mm. really is 38 minutes. And so I was like, well, if I stay with my notes, and I don't chase rabbits and I stick to this, then I will yep. hit my time and I will say the right words. But but nobody leaves a great talk and go, man, he hit his time. You know, <laughs> nobody leaves a great talk and just goes, you know what? He said every word in his outline. N- nobody, nobody does that. Yep. That's that's what I was saying as a win. Yep. But but even for as a speaker, you know that isn't a win. Yep. And, and so I had to realize that if I could, if I could step back and go, what do I really want to happen with this message? Yep. It was so much bigger than that. And it, it's often the things that that weren't there in the notes where you say something and it lands in the room and you go, okay, there's something here, and, and you press into it longer than you want, or yeah. or you sense, hey, like um this this room really is receiving this well okay how can i respond to that all of those things require you to be attentive to the room yep. just as much as you're attentive to your plan to how to speak and and until i got over that i felt like i was just i i'd hit a ceiling with my speaking and, and mm. i couldn't break through it yeah i've used it for a crutch forever just because i i kind of use my own intelligence as my crutch you know i'll i'll I'll, I'll lose my place. I'll forget something. I'll, you know, say something inappropriate because my brain is always thinking in, you know, multiple, that's what she said comments. And, you know, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta stick with, you know, with my notes. And for years I listened and watched John Orberg, who was a, he's just a notes guy, you know, and every single one, I'm like, wow, if John's messages could be this powerful and he's basically reading them, I guess, I guess I can. What do you think? So you talked about your staff member who said, wow, you know, it's probably the best one since then. What are some of the, you know, the benefits that you've experienced uh, as you've been kind of going notes free? Okay. I'll I'll give two. And one is going to be for somebody who's in the faith space. And then one will be for somebody who's not. If you're in the faith space, here's what I would say. There is this conversation about the Holy spirit and, you know, people who don't like to plan, say, hey, I want to leave room for the Holy Spirit, which can often be an excuse for not preparing well. Yes. On the other side, there's the crowd that says, hey, we need, we need, to, we need to honor God, plan well, do everything, and they leave no room for the Holy Spirit on the moment. What I have found is that pre-going away from notes, I was paying more attention to the Holy Spirit in my preparation and mm. paying less attention to the Holy Spirit in my delivery. And what happened wow. when, I got, when I got rid of my notes is I had said, hey, I'm going to be attentive to what God wants me to say in my preparation, but I'm also going to be open that that could change in my delivery. And if I sent something happening in the room that I need to lean into, I now have the freedom to step out for two minutes. It wasn't in my notes, but I just feel led to press into this because of how I feel the room going and what I'm sensing God want me to do. And it gave me the freedom to do that. And so what it's meant is that I feel like I'm much more 
attuned to God and attuned to the room, and I have the freedom to follow the Spirit in the moment if God's need me to say something. And so people will go, man, you said that. What, what did you say exactly? And I said, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> I'll, I'll right. have to go back and watch it with you because that was that was none of my notes, and I don't know what I said. And they go, well, that yep. was amazing. I'm going to go watch it again. I said, okay, well, let me, let me know what I said because I don't even remember. So if you're in the faith space, that's what I would I would say is it, it frees you up to follow the Holy Spirit. Yep. If you're not in the faith space, what I, what I would say to you is that you need to trust not just your intelligence in writing your message. Mm. You need to trust your intelligence in delivering your message. Mm. And and unless you're speaking to a camera like this where you don't see your audience, you're 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 not speaking to people and then just downloading information. You're speaking with them. Yes. And if you're so caught up in what you plan to say, you may miss the moment that's right in front of you if you could feel that room and the way it's engaging you. And so if the goal isn't to speak to people, but with people, you have to pay as much attention to the people as you do your iPad. And often, and often the iPad gets in the way of you paying attention to the people you're speaking to, watching what they write down, watching if they're checking out, watching yep. if they're leaning in, feeling if something lands, and then you say something else and it lands even deeper and you go, man, this is this is this wasn't the best part of the talk, but it's become the best part of the talk. How do I, how do I flesh this out more and I'll cut something else on the back end to make this work? All of that can happen wow. when you're out of your notes and you're attentive to that. Yeah, that's so good. You bring up such a, I mean, brilliant point about the Holy Spirit. I heard all those conversations, had them all. I remember sitting at a conference once and Rob Bell was speaking. So, you know, wherever you're at on the Rob Bell, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. But he said something so brilliant. He said, um, everything's better marinated. And as a guy who, you know, enjoys marinating steaks, I can attest to that, you know, God can work in that marina- marination process, you know, and he can, there are moments, right? You've got to listen to the spirit and you've got to, and I love your point there. Cause if you are doing that and you're open to what's happening in the room, you may not miss what's, you know, what God's having you communicate and we do. Sometimes we miss those moments cause we're so lockstep into that. I mean, Rob, Rob to this day still has delivered the best live talk I've ever heard. Hmm. I was at the Orpheum Theater in downtown Phoenix, 1,200 seats, sold out. Rob spoke for 90 minutes, no <laughs> notes. He had one prop. Jeez. And at, at minute 88, you could, you could hear a pin drop in the room. Wow. No phones went off. No one went to the bathroom. I was in the balcony. I could see. No one went to the bathroom the whole, the whole talk. Wow. And he had no notes. Wow. And I just think he wouldn't have got that if he was communicating the same thing if he had an iPad or a lectern. Yeah. Because people yeah. believed and engaged it differently. And so that, that was probably the beginning of the seeding of like, I wonder if I could do this. And then it was my friend Sally who came along at the right time to challenge me to say, hey, you, yeah. you can do this. So did Sally give you some steps? Are there some practical steps that you took to start to start to remove it? Yeah, I, I think Sally, you know, we did talk about my preparation and how I could come to the place of of being confident enough to know my stuff well. Around that same time, I think I read Kerry Newhoff's first post about going without yep. notes and he talked about the difference between memorizing your talk and understanding your talk. That was a really good frame for me to help me figure that out. And and then and then with Sally, we just realized that I had so many slides 
that those were basically the the skeleton of the talk mm. and if if i had rehearsed it a couple times i had enough of the muscle that that i could survive you know not saying it perfectly right or doing yep. it twice on sundays and one being 15 percent different than the other because i'm riffing so those were yep. those were some big pieces uh and then and then it's just been a process of of getting more confident yeah each, do you use day. anything now i do do you use those slides on a confident a confidence monitor yeah, so I, any I have bullet a points monitor in the back i've got my clock how much i have left uh i have uh my slide that's there behind me or on my TV next to me, and then my next slide, and and I'm you know my my uh, one of our volunteers calls me a slide diva because I do have I do have a lot of them. So I mean it, it's yeah. not uncommon for me to be fifty to seventy slides. Wow. For a, a thirty five a thirty five minute talk, so there's there's a lot there. They keep me going, but but a lot of them are just pictures or a word. Right. So it's not it's not like it's the whole point that's there, and. And, and there's probably each week that there's a 10 to 15% change in what I say between services. And every week there's something I say that I did not plan to say. Mm, yeah. I love that though. I mean, I love that approach because so often we get stuck into slides with just the main point on it and that's it. Why, why not build a picture? Why not use a picture? Why not, you know, it, it's just, or, or when we tell stories, why not, as you're telling the story, you know, I'm, t I'm walking by a barn. There's a picture of a barn. Then mm -hmm. I saw, you know, I mean, it's just, a, it's amazing the creativity that we have available to us. And with technology, it's like the sky is the limit now. And I have a great partner. I mean, our, our guy who does my slides, I've been working with him since 2006. So mm. he, he gets me, you know? Yeah. And so I just, I know what to send him. I know what to tell him for what I need occasionally I'll have to add one, you know, or tweak a typo, but you know, 98% of the time he's given me back, you know, what I asked for. So, yeah. So walk us through. So you get done with your message. It's Tuesday afternoon or, or whenever it is. And then, uh, Sunday, you know, are, are you, are you, you know, running back through it Saturday night at all Sunday morning? Or are you just kind of yeah, walking so, through it? Like, yeah, what? So what happens is I, I, I typically am working up until Tuesday, Tuesday, I block out my whole calendar. The only thing I do is write on Tuesday. So it's, it is what it's going to be in terms of a rough draft by Tuesday at four. I send that off to my slide guy. It comes back on Wednesday. I look over, make sure there aren't any typos. Then Thursday morning, I have a run through. So I bring together a team of, it's typically my staff, but often I'll bring in people from the outside and I will give this, the sermon verbatim as if it's a room of several hundred, but it's only like five. Yep. And I have, I have a similar setup here with a similar clicker and confidence monitor, everything. And they have the handout that we're going to use on Sunday. I have the slides, we run through it verbatim and then we go back through, okay, what needs to be fixed on the handout, yep. on the slides and then content. And then they're listening. I'll, I'll cue them. Hey, think about how, X, Y, and Z people are going to hear this. Here's yep. a part that I want your feedback on. I'm not sure how it works. Hey, I think I'm long. So if we needed to cut four minutes from it, where would that come from? And so when we get done, the next 30 minutes is that, you know, feedback of this didn't make sense. You were confusing. You were really repetitive here. I know you like this part, but I think it could be cut. This part is gold. You, you, you raced through it. You need to pace that more because you need to give yep. that that's the best part of the message, let it breathe. They give me all that feedback. And then Thursday afternoon, I put that all in uh, and integrate that. And then, and then I just leave it. Yep. Uh, and then often what I'll do when I drive in on Sunday morning is I will verbally rehearse my intro, Yep. my first five minutes Yep. so that I make sure that's really strong. 
and then and then I get up and give it twice on Sunday. Boy, that's great. And I love that process of, you know, having <clears throat> your team being able to speak into it, you know, it, it just opens up the door. So so many don't do that because either they don't have the thick skin or uh, it's, you know, it's it's your baby, right? Like nah. <laughs> you're not quite yeah, ready I, for you know, God gave me this word, so I need mm -hmm. to Yeah. I mean, two things. I mean, one, I, I believe that pastors are massively declining in credibility in our culture. Mm. So I think that people who are coming in are not are not set up to make me uh, a believable or trustworthy source. Mm. So part of what I found is that people, pe we tend to trust people who are just talking to us as opposed to reading something. So for my audience on Sunday, I have been told, hey, you're more believable and more credible if you just look at me and talk to me mm. as opposed to reading. They said, I know you're reading your words, but if you just talk to me, I trust yep. you more than if you're reading to me. And then for my team, I wanted to build a culture where there was freedom for disagreement, where there was accountability, yep. where there was vulnerability. And so as a leader, I have to go first and modeling all of that. And so the, from the very beginning, I just said, hey, this is what I want to do. And I remember my first one I did, one of my staff members went to my wife and, and said, he like used something in his sermon that I told him and run through. And she goes, yeah, he really does want to hear from you. He really does want it. feedback. From you. It was just a shocking yeah. idea that he would tell me something on Thursday. Hey, you should think about adding this to the sermon. Let's make it better. And then Sunday I used it. Yep. It just, I, I mean, it just was a mind blown moment for him. And I said, well, that's the kind of culture I want to build that we're I smarter that. than me. I don't have all the answers and you know, I want your help. Yep. I love that. And so often we kind of, we do the feedback between services, you know, or we preach it on Sunday and then it's done and we're like, Hey, give me some feedback, but it's done and over with, you know? Yeah. I, and I'm not, I, the one time I'm not good with feedback is Sunday. So my wife yeah. knows like, tell me the good stuff on Sunday. If it's bad, tell me on Monday. Yep. Um, once I'm a little bit better headspace, but yeah, I, I just figure my, I started that feed of practice probably 10 years ago and I just got tired of people at lunch on Sunday telling me how my sermon could have been better. <laughs> I'm like, this would have been good on Thursday, but Sunday yeah. at two is not helpful. So right. how do I get you, how do I get you in the room to make this better before I have to give it? And then that was, that was the genesis of that project. Yeah. Yeah. I have uh, so many questions. Like we probably just set up like, you know, my ask to you for, um, episode, the next episode, uh, cause I have so many more questions for you, but what do you guys do anything, uh, strategically to kind of live the message out in, in the week? I, I just watched so many churches and we preach the message. We're done. We close the book and then all that content, which is just incredible, just kind of, kind of was done. Didn't know if you yeah. guys do anything, you know, to kind of, we, perpetuate so, that. uh, I mean, we do, we do, uh, most of our groups are sermon-based groups, so I write six to eight discussion questions on Thursday morning yep. that we also review in that time, uh, and then I record a video for the groups uh, after the message run-through is done that kind of gives them some direction and, and fodder to talk about. So that's part of it, you know, that people are coming back together and not yep. just saying, hey, how great was Scott's talk, but here's what this means for me in my life, and yep. here's what how the questions I have. That's one. Two, we partner with a great... Um, uh, organization uh, that is called Social Sermons. So they cut up my sermon into, yeah. you know, reels yeah. that um, we then can go and do on social. Um, and, and then I would say three, I really try to create resources that help people complement the message. Mm. So often when, when I get done with the message, I'll have two or three next steps that are really concrete things people can do in light of what they heard. 
So in, in addition for those, sometimes we'll say, hey, and if you go on our website under the resources page, we've created a one-page document or we've created a little card you can put up in your workspace or we've created a, um, a practice and we're going to start it together today, but you can go online and download the PDF to do it this week. So I'm, I'm really big on the practical, you know, our three yes. phrases are biblical, accessible, and practical. And so I'm, wherever I can, I'm looking for a resource to give somebody a handle that they can take it into their week. I love that. I love that. And now that I'm, I'm that person, you know, I sit there on Sundays and worship with my family. And then for the first time in my adult life, I, I, it takes a lot for me to think about church again. You know, when I was mm -hmm. a pastor for years and years and years, every single moment, every single day, I mean, I volunteer with our student ministry, but I think about, okay, you know, the guy like me, who's going to work, what are those practical resources that I can, you know, that strong call to action. Oh, I love all that. And I know that will be so encouraging. Uh, I, again, I could ask you, we could kind of keep this conversation going you know, uh, for, for a long time, but any last, you know, encouragement towards to the, the speaker or the pastor who's going, Oh, I don't know if I can let it go. You know, would love, would love any of I that mean, last. Here's, here's what I would say. If you've always been a note person, just try it. Yeah. I mean, the worst things happen is you go, I don't want to do that. And you go back to what you know. Yep. So, I mean, I would just say, don't try it once. Because if you're a pastor, you tell people, don't just try our church once we get a bad Sunday. So, I mean, I would say give it a month, give it four weeks, you know, and, and pick those in advance. Don't just go, hey, it's Thursday. I'm going to go notes free on Sunday. That's just foolishness. Yeah. But pick a Sunday that's that's far enough where you can get ready for it, but not so far that you can't see it. Pick that and go, hey, I, what would it take for me to be able, what would have to be possible yep. for me to be note free? And then imagine that future and then build a bridge to that and then say, hey, I'm going to give it four weeks and and then give some people, you know, not everybody, but a few people some, this is what I'm doing. And they get that feedback. And if you don't like it and it doesn't work for you, then then go back to what mm. what works for you and, and you know, yep. but then there's no blood, no foul. Right. I think I think at minimum, it's going to make you a stronger speaker and a more confident yeah. speaker. But yeah. at maximum, you may find a breakthrough. Um, the, the, the one other thing I'll just make as a little caveat, there are probably some people who need to be cautious about going note free mm. or sometimes that you should be cautious about going note free. So if you're delivering a really important announcement, yep. um, or you're delivering a really important talk and it's, and, and being precise yep. is more important than being compelling. Yep. Then, then maybe you should go what you mentioned the John Ortberg route and read it. Yeah. Or if, if you're dealing with some really specific data or some specific information that if you get it 10% wrong, it's a really big deal, then I would say, hey, like it, it might not be your best option to just be out of your notes. Yeah. So there are some times where I am more in my notes because I, I want to be really precise or I have something that's I, I need to say this exactly this way mm. because the tone and the context really matter. Yeah. Um, so I just make that one caveat that even if you decide to go note free, there may be some moments where you go, Hey guys, today I'm going to speak sure. more from notes because sure. this warrants it. So it's, it's not a, it's not a one size fits all. It's always the appropriate response. I just wanted to add that at the end for somebody who's like, well, what about, and, and you may be exactly right if you're raising right. that. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, Hey, before I let you go, and this has been such a rich conversation, let me ask you some rapid fire questions. Let our audience kind of keep getting to know you and learn some things that you've learned along the way. Do you have an absolute, we talk a lot about speakers on this podcast. Do you have a, an absolute favorite speaker? Somebody that you're just like, ah, oh, I just, oh, man. every single time I love listening to them. 
it, it's hard. It's hard to nail it down. <laughs> I, I mean, I would say that like the most compelling live speaker I've ever heard is is Rob Bell. Hmm. Uh, I just think he, he his ability notes free to communicate was just so powerful. Genius. And I, yep. I probably I probably haven't heard him in 10 years. But yeah, um, when I was first getting started, I went and saw him three times. And each time there was a moment I just said that that was incredible. Uh, I would say in terms of the the church world, um, there's a guy named Chris Brown. Oh, he's yeah. in San Diego. And his ability to tell stories yep. that that really a few years ago was kind of a catalyst for me to go, hey, I want to become a better storyteller. Mm. And so I really attribute Chris's craft in that way to helping me raise my game with that. Chris is amazing. All things North Coast is just just amazing. OK, is there a podcast like either on the development side or the guilty pleasure that you're like, this is my go to podcast? Boy, it just it just always fills my cup. I mean, I would say on the development side, I really, um, I really have enjoyed Diary of a CEO. Hmm. I forget Steve. Stephen is the host. I forget his last name, uh, but he's based in 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 Britain, and he uh, he just asks incredible questions. He had a hmm. conversation with Simon Sinek this summer that I listened to twice because it was just so I had never heard Simon go this deep. Wow. And it was just so it was so powerful. So I would say like on the like, you know, leadership development side, that's a, a really, really great uh, show uh, on the on the more fun side, you know, the just the you know, I, I'll, I'll listen on the weekends when I'm not trying to think uh so deeply I, I i do enjoy when malcolm gladwell comes out with his revisionist mm. history podcast in the summers yeah i mean to this day his podcast on the the the, the fat that they cook the french fry in is probably one of my favorite <laughs> podcasts ever and i literally had i had mcdonald's fries a couple weeks ago and i i still was like i wonder what this would taste like if they cooked it in tallow oil and so i just i love how that that podcast is produced and he's had some amazing just fun episodes on there i love that i love that okay lastly is there a book uh a leadership book that boy this book has just you know rocked your world for many years you recommend to every every leader they just got yeah there's a there's a little book and uh i just always encourage people beware size may be deceiving when it comes to books uh there's a little book called in the name of jesus mm. by a guy named henry nowen Yep. And I have read that book every year since 2002. Wow. It is, it is to me, I think as relevant as the day it came out in 89, it's now like 35 years old, mm. but he takes the three temptations of Jesus and applies them to modern leadership, the temptation to be spectacular, the temptation to be relevant and the temptation to be powerful. And I think we are having a crisis of leadership mm. in this era, in our culture. And it's because leaders of all faiths and all types give into those temptations uh, so easily. And that's why there has been so much abuse uh, from the leadership position to the people who are following. And I, I continue to read that book because I'm vulnerable to those temptations. Mm. It's like 100 pages, but it just hits me in between the eyes at some point every time. Wow. It's so good. And we'll put all of those resources in the show notes and uh, make sure we we do that. Goodness, uh, Scott, I mean, thank you so much. Where can we send our listeners to find you online and they can get more information about you? 
Yeah, my my online home is scottsavagelive.com. You can learn more about having me as a speaker for an event that you're hosting. I also have a great new resource there called the Start Over Guide. So whether it's the beginning of the school year or the beginning of the new year, or you're just sensing that you're in transition and you want to start over and make a change, it's a great resource to help mm. you learn from the past and make the most of your future. And I have loved to hear the feedback from people who've gone through it. And it, it's made a difference in my life as well. Well, thanks for having me on, Jason. I love Absolutely. what you're doing. I love the mission to speak with people. And if more speakers took that approach, the world would be a better place. Mm. Well, thank you. And thank you to every one of our listeners for being a part of the speak, uh, this podcast every single week. We appreciate all that you do. And we thank you for being a part of the community. If you have not joined the Speak With People community group on Facebook yet, make sure you go to Facebook and search for Speak With People. It's a group of hundreds of leaders who are working and doing our best to elevate the importance and practice of healthy communication uh, in our lives. Uh, hopefully today you've been challenged, you've been inspired uh, to do just that, elevate the importance and practice of healthy communication. My hope is that you will speak with people and not at them this week. Again, we'll see you next week and thank you for being a part of the Speak With People podcast.